In Neil Brown's five years at West Virginia, the Mountaineers have been 3-1 three times now. He will look to go to 4-1 for the first time in those three seasons when the Mountaineers head to Fort Worth on Saturday. We have a West Virginia TC preview on this episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Wesley Shoemaker, Patrick Canal, back with you with another episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast. Mountaineers looking to make it four straight wins to close the month of September, heading into what is a much-needed bye week, but it will not come easy at all. They are headed to Fort Worth to take on the reigning national runner-up TCU Horn Frogs, and while that team is a heck of a lot different than the team that we saw lose to Georgia in the national championship game, there are still a lot of foundational pieces there, and this is still a good ball club that has won three games in a row. Um, quick rundown on TCU before I get your thoughts overall on the game, Patrick. Uh, three and one, 45 42 loss to Colorado, 41 6 win against Nichols, 36 13 win on the road at Houston, and then this past week, a 34 17 win against a rival SMU. So, work's going to be cut out for the Mountaineers, surely. History is on the side of West Virginia and Neil Brown when they do travel to Fort Worth, but Obviously, this Saturday this Saturday will be a little different, especially depending on the quarterback situation for the Mountaineers. Yeah, I think this weekend we're going to see the defense get tested in a way they haven't been tested since that Penn State game. Uh, in 98 completions, 142 attempts. Quarterback has 69 completion percentage. He's thrown for over 1,000 yards in the first four games. So they're going to want to throw the ball. Um, we. West Virginia hasn't really had to deal with a team that throws as much since that Penn State game. Texas Tech was more of a, especially after their quarterback went down, more of a run team. Pitt was more of a run team. Duquesne was Duquesne. So um, definitely going to see the work cut out for the defense. I think we're going to get a much better understanding of the defense as a whole after this game rather than, seeing that run defense that we've seen the last two weeks. I also don't think it's just a defense as a whole. I think it's a team as a whole. I think this is a very big measuring stick game, but it also has a game that if you're able to win it, you're able to show more than just that you can measure up to these guys, that you're kind of a legit contender in this league in this year of 2023. Let's, let's talk about their offense a little bit. So, TCU offense, kind of a two-headed monster between their quarterback and running back. Quarterback, you mentioned Chandler Morris. He's an Oklahoma transfer. He spent 2020 at Oklahoma and then played in four games each of the past two seasons. He was supposed to be their starter last year. He he started against Colorado in week one, and he then got hurt, and then it was the Max Duggan show from there on, and obviously we know where that fairy tale took the Horned Frogs. But as you said – this year, 18, uh, sorry, four games, 69% passing, 1,121 yards, nine touchdowns, three interceptions. On the ground, he has 184 yards and two touchdowns as well. He is uh, leads the Big 12 in total offense, averaging 326 yards, total yards per game, and that is good enough for ninth in the country. 
But we're not even talking about the running back, Imani Bailey, who leads the Big 12 in rushing in seventh nationally, 121 rush yards per game. And last year, he led the Big 12 in yards per carry, although he didn't get that much play. I know he had one carry against the Mountaineers last year, which went for 30 yards and a score. So he's obviously explosive as well. This team does like to run the ball, whether it's with Morris or with Bailey. They're, they're going to want to run it but they're going to run it, want to run it with tempo. And that's, again, we talked about it last week with having to get your defensive line set. How do, how do they handle this? We saw in the fourth quarter against Texas Tech when they turned up that tempo to the maximum degree that they could, they got rolling and they had their best offensive output in that fourth quarter. Was there a little bit of desperation there? Yes. Was there also a little bit of fatigue on the West Virginia defense part? Yes. So obviously a couple – outside factors there but you're going to go into the state of texas when it's going to be hot it's been not chilly here but it's been cool not really warm in morgantown this week so things to look for cramps hydration things of that nature especially when you have these big guys going in and out in and out in and out and that's just for them on the offense they have four receivers who each have at least 100 yards uh this season and but it's really the two-man show between Morris and Bailey yeah it's like you said you know that two-man show between the two of them uh 110 carries um and then the 142 attempts through the air for Chandler Morris so definitely gonna have their work cut out for them and obviously in that passing game they like they like to spread the ball they like to shuffle their guys in and out uh you know the four guys over 100 yards you got one guy who's probably a catch or two away from hitting another hundred yards. So, but it also stands out, you know, the touchdowns for through the air are also kind of spread out aside from the tight end, Jared Wiley, who's got three of them. And then you look at the running game, the touchdowns, they come from, uh, it's not even a Monty Bailey that's getting them. Uh, They're giving them to Trey Sanders, six foot two twenty two. So, going to be interesting to see how they can shift the dynamic with all these guys that seem to get the ball spread throughout amongst them with this defense. Yeah. You mentioned Bailey. He only has two scores on the year through four games. So that's, that's an area of when TCU gets into the red zone, what, what do they do differently? And it seems like they kind of go away from the run a little bit and tend to pass the ball more. Obviously there's a lot of, again, factors on that down in distance, things like that. But in fairness, they've decided to kind of be this team that uses their athletes in space. And that that's what wins a lot of teams football games. And that's a smart formula to have, but let's kind of flip it. I think the way West Virginia wins this week is not with their defense. In my opinion, I think they're going to have to, they're going to have to score points if they're going to want to win. It's not going to be you score 20 or 17 and you kind of escape with a win. I think you have to score 30 plus 27 plus in that area. If you want to give yourselves a serious shot to win, I just think that's going to be the nature of this game. However, this TCU defense is vulnerable in a couple of places and I'm going to get into that. So Colorado, their only loss this year, they passed for 510 yards, uh, only rushed for 55 yards. While TCU, they do have the second best rushing defense in the conference, no one that they've played really is going to challenge them on the ground like the Mountaineers will. I think that having a inspired, hope, hopefully an inspired C.J. Donaldson after he was somewhat called out for not really playing as hard as he can 
on Monday by head coach Neil Brown. I think that will help. Also, CJ, he got hurt last year in this game, if you remember correctly. Mountaineers were mm-hmm. battling with TCU, who was a top 10 team at the time, obviously. And CJ got hurt, broke his ankle, ended his season then and there around Halloween. So there's inspired football from him, hopefully. And then Again, Jaheim White, he really has that burst. He got one carry last week. Hopefully, he can possibly get a couple more. Justin Johnson played well. Jalen Anderson still running the ball as well. So, all four backs were used last week against Texas Tech, and I'm interested to see how that carry share might change to this week. But keep going on the TCU defense. They want to get after the quarterback. 16 sacks leads the Big 12 second in the country this year. However, a place they do feel a little bit vulnerable, is through the air. They are last in the Big 12 in passing yards per game. Obviously, when you give 510 in week one and you've only played four games, there's going to be a little bit of math uh, there. But if you can, if, if a team's passing for 500 yards, I don't care if it's who it is. That means you do have some holes on that defense. Linebacker Johnny Hodges, he did not play last week against SMU. I am not sure of his status right now. So that's a name to keep an eye on for the TCU defense. Looking at third down, this is where I think this game is going to be won and lost if you're West Virginia, both on offense and on defense. The Mountaineers are top in the Big 12 in third down defense and six nationally, 14 for 56. 25% of the third downs opponents have converted on this West Virginia defense. TCU is fifth in the Big 12, converting 44% of their third downs. That's a 20% difference, something to watch on Saturday. Also, this West Virginia offense is 13th in the Big 12 at 32% conversion rate on third down. TCU defense is last in the Big 12 at 40%. So something's got to give either way there. And I think whichever way that gives is kind of going to be possibly the way this game breaks. They're also going to have to, though, take advantage of turnovers if and when they get them. Mountaineers, you had... I believe it was two turnovers last year, but no points off those turnovers. So that's the two areas of third downs. And can you score off of opportunities? That's what I'm going to be looking for this week. Yeah. And you talk about, you know, West Virginia is going to have to score points to win the game. And, you know, it's going to be more than 20. We're looking at 27, 30 or more. This is a TCU team that since they played Colorado, they have not given up a passing touchdown. Um, So that's something to look for once you get in those areas, you know, the run or even those, those little routes they've been running with Cole Taylor. Once they get into the red zone within 15, 10 yards, Cole Taylor seems to find himself open right there in the corner of the end zone. No one near him. Um, That's one thing to stick out to me. But then, like you said, that third down defense, if you can stop them on third downs and get it to the point where they have to start going for it on fourth down, like we saw Texas Tech start doing, then that's something that you're doing right. And in that case, you're giving yourself a chance at a short field. You can stop them again on fourth down or just getting the ball out of their hands and running the ball to try and run the clock and get a score, keep the lead, keep the game in your hands. In these road games and, not just TCU speaking, kind of just speaking in general, you have to force the issue one way or another. And I'm okay if you force the issue and it backfires, but I'd rather you force the issue and make them beat you rather than kind of 
be more conservative and hold back in a sense. So if you let the dogs loose on third down, get a stop, and you're saying, all right, beat us on fourth, and they beat you on fourth, so what? But I, what I don't want to really see is kind of a change in how aggressive this defense is because over the last two weeks, they've really gotten after people, especially on that defensive line. And we saw against Texas Tech how it was not just the defensive line. It was all three levels of this defense getting mm -hmm. after the passer. And I don't want the more experienced, higher level of talent opponent to dictate how you game plan. I think that your best chance to win and your best chance to win drives, if we're going drive by drive on defense, is to be aggressive. And while that may lead to some big plays, yes, it might also help you in the end. Because the worst feeling in the world is just seeing that four or five yards here, six yards here, a couple yards here, and it's just slow and methodical and you can't do anything about it. I, I'd like to see these guys be aggressive, go after some things, take a couple chances because you're not just going to line up and beat all these teams by just keeping them in front of you and playing this boring brand of defense. This defense has been at its best this year when they're attacking, when they're moving to the ball as fast as they can. Yeah, it's – the first three games of the season, we talked about the defensive line always managing to find their way into that backfield to get after the quarterback. And then the Texas Tech game happens, and now you're able to flip. You're able to throw Marcus Floyd in the occasion of that, who was living in the backfield, it seemed like, during that game. You add that in, that's another level of aggressiveness you can put in that defense to try and, you know, force a turnover, force a stop, force a loss, something to get a drive stopped, get the drive going in the defense's favor. One one player I have my eye on this week is going to be Jared Bartlett. Jared Bartlett's having his best year of his career right now at WVU, and he's playing really well all over the field. TCU's offensive line, their right tackle, Michael Nichols, he grades out from pro football focus 61.6. His pass block grade is 53.9. Jared Bartlett has an 80.6 pass rush grade. So move number 10 around if you're on defense. Try and get those matchups that you want. That could be a matchup that West Virginia really does try to exploit this weekend. And just doing research on both these teams, that's that's kind of an area where the Mountaineers are going to have to go after. Sean Martin, Those like they're going to have to be able to get after those advantageous areas of where where can we put the most pressure on TCU to have to step up and make plays, not giving Chandler Morris all this time. But at the same time, you're going to have to still be, if you're Jared Bartlett, you're going to have an even increased role because you're going to have to also be able to play your scheme and your gap correctly so Morris can't get outside and run because he does run, as we said earlier. So a lot of moving parts on that defense this week with the dual threat ability of Morris, with the running game that Bailey brings, and I'm interested to see how they deal with it. Let's go back to last year, Kansas, a lot of moving parts didn't fare well. Texas Tech, obviously, last year didn't fare well. Down there in Austin, didn't fare well. Like All these road games, with the exclusion of Kansas, obviously, which was at home last year, you did not really play well, with the exception of, I think, Virginia Tech and Oklahoma State, which was in a monsoon. So you played a really bad yeah. Virginia Tech team, uh, Oklahoma State team who had nothing to play for, and it was a downpour the whole game. And other than that, you kind of got diced up on defense the entirety of your road schedule in 20. 22 and Penn State they're a really good team they're a top five team in the country yeah okay but they kind of had their way with you too they did what they wanted 
on offense for the majority, of, especially in that second half. And so now is a chance to kind of, you've got your bearings underneath you three weeks later, four weeks later. How do you now respond that you've kind of seemingly figured it out? Because let's say TC goes and hangs a 50 burger on these guys. Our conversation on Sunday is a whole lot different than the conversation we're having now. Yeah, it's the one thing that stood out to me in the Neil Brown tenure, especially the last couple of years, is on the road, it's always been kind of a question mark. Like you said, the Virginia Tech game last year, bad Virginia Tech team, Oklahoma State, nothing to play for. The one that always stands out to me from last year is that Iowa State game against an Iowa State team that was not very good, and they just got destroyed. But the one time Neil Brown has had a lot of success on the road since he's come to Morgantown, has always been in Fort Worth. So that's something to keep your eye on. But we're going to have to see how it plays out for them. Yeah, did it in 2019 and did it in 2021. And I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that both of those teams weren't the, let's just say, best, most talented teams in the world. So – Mountaineers have a tall task. I think, as I said, third down is going to be huge, but also just kind of forcing the issue. I really want to see if it's Nico. Let's let's get into that now. Like, if it's Nico, he's got to be better as a passer. He had mm-hmm. his moments, good and bad, but I think Neil Brown, Chad Scott, they made it really clear. It's on the wide receivers to help him. I know Devin Carter was going through some family stuff, which – we were praying for him, hope he kind of can get that figured out because it sucks to hear that his grandmother passed. However, besides him, it's him and then everyone else. And that everyone else, that rotation is supposed to be shorter. Guys like, I don't know, Cortez, Braham, Terrell Williams, where do they fall in line with that? I think Traylon Ray, EJ Horton. EJ Horton, I'm really excited. Like, he's got some serious speed. It's only a matter of time before he can hopefully really get going. That's who I'm interested to see because they've talked about his name a bunch and we saw him for one play. It feels like this whole year. And it was that deep shot on the last drive when you're trying to put the game away against tech, not a bad throw, just quite couldn't hook up between two guys who really hadn't played. So I'm interested to see his speed because that can kind of change a game and change the way you scheme on offense. But at the end of the day, if it's Nico running the show, he's going to have to be an accurate passer. If West Virginia wants to win this game, because I, I, I was looking at it today. I think out of their last two games, out of their offensive play calls, like 73% or something like that has have been runs. I just don't envision a way where you run the ball 73% of the time on Saturday and you score enough points to beat this TCU team. I could be wrong because they've done it the last two weeks and maybe it's just turning into who this team really is. However, I keep thinking to myself, at some point they're going to have to score to win. At some point they're going to have to score to win. And I do think that this week is that time. Yeah, it's. I think this Saturday is going to be when they really do need to score their points. I thought it was going to be last Saturday. And for all we know, it could have ended up being last Saturday. But with the quarterback injury, we're not really sure where that game would have gone from there had Tyler Shaw continued playing. Um but this Saturday, I don't I don't see a way West Virginia can go in and score 20 points, score 17 points, hold their opponent to 6, 13, 17, 19. 
And I just don't see a world where that's a recipe for success in Fort Worth on Saturday. I really don't. I, I agree with you, but also let's let's flip the conversation to Garrett Green, right? Garrett Green, if he plays, it's likely he's still not 100%. While he will probably still be able to move around, it's going to be he can move around to an extent where this coaching staff's happy with it. So with him, I also don't want them to be scared to pull the trigger on him if he plays and is not right. Like if he goes and is not right, you have to pull the trigger because that's unfair to Nico, who has battled his butt off the last couple of weeks. But it's also unfair to this team that they're playing so well on defense and that you really have a shot to kind of go get a big win, in a sense, and propel your season and that you're kind of stuck at that quarterback position. And while that may be hard to hear for some people and while it may be hard to hear that Garrett's just not ready yet, that might be the case. And I don't think if you have to remove him earlier in the game because he's not himself, if he does play and then you put in Nico, that doesn't change that Garrett's the starter two weeks later against Houston. It's just more of a matter of a pitcher doesn't have his stuff that night. You go to the bullpen earlier than you thought. Yeah, I think the ideal, obviously in the perfect world, Garrett's 100% for Saturday. That's in the perfect world. Ideally, Garrett's just barely not healthy enough to be able to play. You play Nico, you get through the game, you're three and one going into this game, and then you have 11 days until the next game, and that's 11 days for Garrett to get healthy and be completely 100% going into a game against Houston, which will be a big game. And let's just say it how it is. Garrett didn't look good on Saturday against Texas Tech. I was down on the field watching him do warm-ups, and he was hobbling around. And the man trip, when he was walking on the field, he was had a little bit of a limp to him. So unless that got increasingly better, I think it was still very swollen. Uh, it didn't sound like he made a ton of progress in the latter half of last week. And so the rehab is going to be a big deal, but also at some point you've got to get on the field and show that it's, a, it's, it's good enough to go. And I just don't know where they're at. I don't think really anyone except people inside that building know where they're at. And I expect us to kind of get a word on him Saturday morning again, like we did last week, but moving on key to victory uh, one from each of us. I'll go first. My key to victory is you can't have the turnovers on offense. Last couple of weeks with Nico at the helm, it's been two bad turnovers. First was the fumble against Pitt. That was bad. And then the second was the first interception this past week. Those two turnovers have combined to lead to three points. However, if you do that against TCU, it will probably be more than that. You also don't have your home crowd. You don't have a lot of things that you've had in the comfortness of MPS on this upcoming Saturday when you're in the state of Texas. So you've got to take care of the ball on offense. And if, especially if your defense can't get their hands on the ball, then you've got to take care of the ball. However, I will give one big prediction, Patrick. I do think this West Virginia defense gets an interception this week. So there's a little bit of a goofy big prediction, but there's also my key to victory of you've got to take the care of the ball on offense. And while that might seem obvious to every game i think it's most important when you're going on the road for the first time with nico possibly as your quarterback who do you think gets the pick why does that matter well i i've already called who got one pick this year so i feel like you need to call who gets it 
Hmm. Let's go. Man, I'm always pretty bad at these. Beanie's back there. I'll go Beanie. I like Beanie. Cool name. That's cool kid. I, I'm, let's go with Beanie. Thinking. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go get a pick this weekend. Eleven. Yeah. Uh, my actually, key to victory. No. Actually, no. Malachi Ruffin's getting a pick. That's who's getting a pick this week. Malachi okay. Ruffin. Okay. My key to victory. It's got to be the passing game this week. I think this week you really need to establish a passing game with Nico most likely there. Um, the run game served you well, but in a game where you, you're going to need to score points, you can't just rely on the run game again. you got to get the passing game established. And it's not even just getting the deep ball established. Those little 10, 12-yard plays on the passing game can prove to be so much more than, you know, uh, five, six-yard rush with CJ or Jaheim. It's something that could make such a difference in this game, and I think that's the key to victory is that passing game this week. And do you have a bold, crazy proclamation that you want to give out, or am I going to be the only one that's crazy? No, I think, I think Preston Fox finds his way into the end zone this week. On offense or special teams? Offense. All right, there we go. <laughs> I was, I was yeah. gonna see how 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 crazy you're turning up tonight, but all right. So let's get to picks. Last week, I'm pretty sure I beat you in picks. However, you got this game right of West Virginia Texas Tech, and I didn't. I picked the Red Raiders, and I was wrong. So six games on the docket this week. Let's start Pack Twelve after Dark Friday edition. Even though I think it's like a seven o'clock kick, but whatever. Utah at Oregon State. Cam Rising, I don't think is playing. Throwback to week one, if you know, you know. I'm going to take Oregon State at home. Um, I got to go with Utah. He Utah is just – they've been so good this year. I don't really think I can go against them. Florida at Kentucky. I'll take the home team, Kentucky. I just don't think Florida's top 25 worthy right now, and I – want to take the home team in this one yeah i they beat tennessee but it was in florida and tennessee can't win in florida for some reason i'm gonna go kentucky i don't really think florida's a top 25 team like you said big 12 game of the day kansas at texas it's gonna be interesting to see what version of texas we get last week we got a really good version against baylor However, are they going to play to KU's level or are they going to play to the Texas level? Because the Texas level is a top two team in the country most likely. I'm going to say take the over on whatever the point total is. I have no idea, but whatever it is, I would say if you want to bet, take the over, but don't at me on it if it doesn't hit. But I'm going to take Texas at home. I just think they're going to be too good in the end. Uh, the over is 61, and yep. I'm going to take Texas. Would you take the over too, Patrick? Yeah, probably. Smart man. Way to, way to agree with me. LSU, Ole Miss, little SEC action. LSU had a close one against Arkansas last week. Ole Miss obviously lost to Alabama. Still give me LSU. Um, don't let me down twice, two weeks in a row, Lane Kiffin. I'm going with Ole Miss and Jackson Dart. All right. All right. Notre Dame, Duke. 
crazy game to end last week uh, with the Buckeyes and fighting Irish. I really want to pick Duke, but Notre Dame's not losing two in a row. Not like that. I I don't – yeah, I'm going to go Notre Dame. I don't think Duke is really much of a top 25 team either. I mean, they beat Clemson, who was top 10 preseason, but we've seen Clemson's not really that good this year. So, And then they've beaten Northwestern, UConn, and someone else. Clemson, so. let's be real, should have won that game against Florida State last week. They were a missed 27-yard field goal away from winning the game. But that's not about this podcast. Then finally, Mountaineers, Horned Frogs. Right now, TCU, as of Thursday night, is a 13-and-a-half point favorite. Over total is set at 51-and-a-half. I'm going to say TCU wins. West Virginia covers. I'll take TCU winning 34-24. to yeah, uh, I'm going to have to go with you there. I think TCU takes the win. I think West Virginia covers. I'm going to go 31 to 20. 10 and 11 points. There you have it. So if you made it this far on this episode of the Blue Gold Sports Podcast, we do appreciate you listening. Be sure to keep it locked on bluegoldsports.com throughout the weekend as we lead you up and then recap the game in Fort Worth. 8 p.m. Eastern, ESPN2. Mountaineers look to get to 4-1. and And what a feat that would be. And I think this tone, if this team gets to four and one on this podcast on Sunday would be quite, quite fun. So until then, I'm Wesley Shoemaker joined by Patrick. And now hopefully we will see what the Mountaineers can do in their measuring stick game on Saturday. So if you made it this far, we do appreciate you listening. And this is the blue gold sports podcast.